Good evening and welcome to the Champaign City Council study session for April 26, 2022. I'm going to come down front. We have a proclamation regarding Sexual Assault Awareness Month and we have some folks here from races and I would ask you to just join me up front, please. <clears throat> okay. We're going to face this way and then you're on TV. <laughs> All right. So whereas in April we mark Sexual Assault Awareness Month to draw attention to the prevalence of sexual assault and educate individuals and communities about how to prevent it. Sexual assault affects every person of Champaign as a victim, survivor, or as a family member, significant other, neighbor, or coworker of a victim survivor, whether we are aware of it or not. And whereas in the United States alone, nearly one in five women and one in 67 men have been raped at some time in their lives, and one in four girls and one in 20 boys is sexually abused by the age of 17. And whereas it is critical to intensify public awareness of sexual assault, to educate people about the need for citizen involvement and efforts to reduce sexual violence, to increase support for agencies providing sexual assault service, and to increase awareness of the healing power of creative expression. And whereas the theme of the month for 2022 is building safe online spaces together, which acknowledges sexual harassment, assault, and abuse can happen anywhere, including online spaces. More than ever, technology connects us. However, harassment, cyberbullying, and sexual abuse have increased with the ease of access, and we must be aware of the risks. And whereas Champaign strongly supports the efforts of local, state, and national partners and the efforts of every citizen to engage in conversations about what sexual violence is, how to prevent it, how to support victim survivors, and how to connect them with services, and how everyone in our community can work together to address sexual violence. And whereas races, <coughs> rape, advocacy, counseling, and education services is our local support office and part of the Illinois Coalition Against Sexual Assault. For 50 years, RACES has offered counseling, medical, and legal advocacy, a 24-hour crisis line, and public education and training. And whereas the City of Champaign requests public support and assistance as it continues to work toward a society where all women, men, and children can live <coughs> in peace, free from violence and exploitation. Now, therefore, I, Deborah Frank Finan, mayor of the city of Champaign, do hereby proclaim April 2022 as Sexual Assault Awareness Month in the city of Champaign. Thank you so much for your service to our community. City manager, while people are taking their seats, did you want to do an introduction? Thank you, Your Honor. This evening's study session topic is a discussion of shelter and housing security needs in our community. 
Um, council is aware, and I think a number of members of the public are aware that when we began our council goal setting process and the process for allocation of our federal um, COVID relief dollars, that council set some very focused priorities for the use of those funds. We have had discussions about Garden Hills infrastructure. We've had discussions about our gun violence reduction blueprint and our neighborhood ambassador strategies. But the, the third and final priority category was really looking at how the city could invest in a meaningful way in services and programs for our residents without addresses in the community. And so tonight, staff is here to present um, a, a combination of a recommendation for an initiative that we can invest in immediately, an opportunity for us to seek partners in the community so that we can invest in good work and potentially look for new opportunities to fill the gap of both shelter and supportive service needs for vulnerable members of our community. And with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Carrie Wyman, Neighborhood Services Director. Thank you, City Manager. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce our team at the table tonight. To my right, we have Neighborhood Programs Manager, Jennifer Carlson. She's also the past chair of the Continuum of Service Providers to the Homeless. She's a current member of the Urbana Home Tech Committee and the United Way Community Essentials Review Team. To Jennifer's right, we have Neighborhood Relations Manager, John Ruffin. He's the current vice chair of the CSPH, Continuum of Service Providers to the Homeless. And he's just launched the new Neighborhood Ambassadors Program, which you'll see out in the streets starting in May of 2022. And finally, to my left, we have Kay Nees, and she has the money. But in all seriousness, I wanted to highlight that both Kay and City Manager Dorothy Ann David have really championed a robust allocation process for those American Rescue Plan Act funds. The public input process paved the way for tonight's discussion, and we're grateful for Kay's assistance and dedication in accomplishing this work. I also want to point out that um, City of Champaign Township Supervisor Andy Kornstrom, who serves as the board chair of the Champaign-Urbana Public Health District, is currently away at a national conference in Baltimore. Deputy Supervisor Bailey and Van Antwerp is here tonight representing the township. I'd also like to take a moment to thank all the people that are in attendance tonight and those that maybe aren't here but have provided input in the work that they do in our community day after day, night after night, to ensure the safety and shelter for some of our most vulnerable residents. And I'd like to thank those in the audience tonight who are joining us who have real life experience with shelters and housing and security. Their voice matters and we're grateful that they're here to share their experience with us. As noted on the screen, we're gonna start with the city council goal, our city invests to support its vibrant, diverse neighborhoods. And inside of that goal, we have two key projects. The first one is to administer the American Rescue Plan funds consistent with council direction, focusing on housing and security. The second one, which will be our larger focus, is to work to create and sustain year-round emergency shelters in the city that address the needs of all unhoused populations. Kay will provide more information for us tonight regarding the ARPA funding. But focusing on that second key project, the city has provided funding over the past two years to try to address this gap in our community. First, the city provided renovation funding to see you at home, I'm sorry, see you at Austin's place to expand the shelter for women year round. Next, the city provided 120,000 to the see you at home during the pandemic efforts to keep people safely housed. And finally, the city provided 183,000 to see you at home for security needs when they opened a temporary emergency low barrier shelter this winter. 
CU at Home has graciously pivoted during the past two years to provide shelter during some of the most difficult times in our community. In May 2021, year-round emergency shelter availability came to a halt though when CU at Home paused due to safety and staffing challenges. During that time, they regrouped and when they reopened in August of 21, their new program changes left some of our most vulnerable neighbors without an address out on the streets. During this time, individuals who were struggling with sobriety or behavioral health challenges used public areas for sleeping by setting up tents, mats, and furniture. These outdoor sleeping arrangements included eight to 12 individuals nightly sleeping under our downtown viaduct, for example. Additionally, people that were not sleeping at this location came to the viaduct in the daytime, um, also came to the viaduct during the daytime. In addition to being at risk for exposure, people who were living outside or on these unsafe shelter operations were more likely to be victim victimized by crime and other threatening situations. A review of calls for service to the Main Street Viaduct area during this time included 27 calls for service responding to sexual assault, suicidal subject, armed individuals, fights, domestic violence, and criminal damage to property. A frequent mantra that we share with the community is that while it's not illegal to sleep outside, there are safety concerns for our most vulnerable residents. Occasionally, health and sanitation issues, unlawful activity, or perceived exceptional or unusual behaviors from such individuals can generate community concern and necessitate additional calls for service from various city departments. For example, during this time period, our co-compliance team removed abandoned property or procured sanitation services 13 separate, on 13 separate occasions. For historical reference, there were no abatements in 2018, one in 2019, and only two in 2020. While the temporary low barrier emergency shelter was in operation, we didn't observe any people sleeping under the Main Street Viaduct. However, since this report was submitted just last week and the shelter has closed, staff has noticed that some of our neighbors without an address are again sleeping under the viaduct, sleeping outside of the city building, and even coming into the city building during the daytime to lay on the floor for rest. The recent low barrier emergency shelters only operated during the winter and closed on April 15th of 2022. There's a significant gap again that allows our neighbors without an address to stay with their limited possessions in a safe environment. Insight that we've gained since 2016 when we had several shelters close and then ultimately again in 2021 we had no shelter available these highlight the importance of the, for our community and our neighbors without an address and the benefits that they would have with a year-round 24-7 operation that allows for choice and some overlap. The, the photographs, they tell an important story, but let's also look at data too. On the slide, you're gonna see six data points that help develop this plan to address housing and homeless needs. The data shows us that there's a high need for a low barrier shelter in our community and for rent assistance. And let me run through some of these numbers. Number one, 50% of the calls made in the past year to the 211 call center were for housing and shelter needs. Of the um, calls to 211, 590 callers were referred to local shelters. Number two, the local agencies working to reduce homelessness in Champaign County, which, are known, which is known as the CSPH, they recently identified 114 people experiencing chronic homelessness. Number three and number four, during this past winter, the CU at Home Low Barrier Shelters averaged 23 men and 
uh, for women each evening at their two locations. Number five, during the past two years, local agencies provided nearly $14.6 million in rent, mortgage, and utility assistance to households in Champaign County. And finally, number six, the city of Champaign Township has received more than 1,000 calls or requests for rent assistance since January of 2022. For these reasons, the city has included this as a council goal and as a high priority need in the consolidated plan. Next, Carrie will share information on the community input process for ARPA. Thanks, Jennifer. And again, we had a very robust public input process last summer talking about the ARPA funds. So just wanted to highlight on your screen, the second box from the left is, this was through our community survey question. And the number, th uh, the third strongest answer was for services for residents without an address uh, or other housing programs. Next up, there was a community workshop held in, um, later in the summer of 2021. And again, the third highest ranking category was for housing affordability. This is where participants were able to use the $25 million and allocate it to the various priorities that have been identified. These, uh, this ranked number three behind infrastructure and community violence. So with council's passage of the previous, um, previous passage of the Garden Hills infrastructure and lighting plans, the neighborhood ambassadors program and the gun violence blueprint, tonight's study session will finish the important work of allocating the city's ARPA funds to these priority areas and realize a council goal at the same time. In order to explain how the ARPA process works, I'm gonna turn it over to Kay Neese. Thank you, Carrie. So as Carrie had previously mentioned, the funding discussed tonight is really the last piece of the priorities that were created through the ARPA public input process and adopted by council. And you can see here on the slide exactly how those funds were allocated. Uh, to infrastructure within the Garden Hills neighborhoods, community safety, gun violence, and finally shelter and housing security. In January of 2022, the U.S. Treasury issued additional guidance for ARPA funding that would allow local governments to take a standard allowance for revenue loss experienced during COVID of up to $10 million. City staff would like to take the allowance and use the general revenues to address the above priorities instead of federal revenues. This would allow us much greater flexibility in addressing these city priorities. Therefore, for the 5.1 million initiative described in this report, city staff recommendation is that 2.6 million would come from general city revenues and the remaining 2.5 million from general fund balance. At this point, I will turn it over to John. Thank you, Kate. There are nearly 40 agencies that currently are involved with the continuum of service providers to the homeless in Champaign County. This list shows the depth and variety of service providers working to end homelessness in our community. Many of the agencies listed here provide supportive services, but may not directly provide housing. The crucial services they provide enable our neighbors without addresses to obtain and maintain housing and are a vital link in the range of services offered to assist this population within our community. We have many working diligently to do this work, but we still have gaps. At a basic level, we have people that will be unhoused again because there is no low barrier option available to them at this time. This framework of partnerships will need to be expanded on going forward to address the needs of our most vulnerable neighbors without an address. This is that opportunity to try and address that gap. We want to lift the work 
We want to lift up the work of the continuum. Tonight's conversation is really about serving those still unhoused and using the city's one-time funding to further the expansion of services and beds for this population. There are several different types of shelter bed categories included in the Champaign Housing Inventory Count. They include emergency shelter, transitional housing, permanent supportive housing, rapid rehousing, and other permanent housing. This table illustrates the number of beds over a five-year period from 2016 to 2021. It clearly shows the progress made by the CSPH to address the needs of this population within our community. Overall, the table shows a total bed increase over the sample period from 2016. However, this figure may be a bit misleading because we know the beds are reduced with the closure of the low barrier emergency winter shelter and that there is no low barrier option currently for those neighbors. Therefore, tonight we are seeking council direction on allocating funding to the township while also directing staff to publish an RFP for competitive proposals to fund additional beds or housing units to continue to serve the needs of, the, of our community. I'll turn it over now to Jennifer to discuss other funding and leveraging opportunities. Thank you, John. So on this slide, you see the state of housing in Champaign as related to rent mortgage and utility assistance. Um, the slide shows the assistance that was provided throughout the pandemic. So you'll see that a little over 3,000 households benefited from some type of assistance, and this totaled about $14.5 million. Um, services were provided by a variety of different agencies. And despite all of this assistance, there still continues to be a demand for rent assistance. Another point um, to be made regarding funding is the great leverage opportunities that currently exist. Due to special allocations from the CARES Act and now the American Rescue Plan, local funders and government agencies are allocating financial support that was not previously available to housing and homeless programs. It's important to point out that the Urbana Home Consortium, of which the city is a member, was awarded $2.9 million in American Rescue Plan funding. This grant's intended to provide funding to reduce homelessness and increase housing stability in Champaign County, and a draft plan will be shared with council in June of 2022. In addition to the home ARP funding, local funders you see on the screen are known to fund housing and homeless programs. For example, the CSPH serves as the conduit of a little over $1 million annually, and the United Way is currently evaluating requests for proposals for $600,000 in a community essentials annual funding pot that's designed to meet physical needs such as food and water, safety, shelter, and health care. There are other agencies like the City of Urbana, Cunningham Township, and the Mental Health Board that also fund portions of housing or supportive services to the most at-risk populations that we're discussing tonight. So moving forward, um, staff will discuss housing solutions and we're gonna start with rent assistance for homeless prevention. Staff's recommending an allocation of $200,000 to the city of Champaign Township to provide this rent assistance. The city and township have established a successful track record with providing rent, mortgage, and utility assistance. By, um, they've served over 417 households and have connected with 169 landlords. 
Um, generally, the township rent assistance requires that a resident provide notice of a pending eviction. Additionally, township staff work with each household to analyze their housing costs and ability to pay um, going forward to ensure sustainable housing. Um, staff is recommending that we um, amend the current agreement with the township to include this additional $200,000 in rent assistance. And next, you're gonna hear from Carrie about the second housing solution. Thanks, Jennifer. So going back to the need for an emergency shelter, um, we've proposed in the report to City Council $3.1 million to be allocated to the City of Champaign Township, uh, who is um, interested, they currently provide case management services and job training through many of the creative programs that they've initiated in the last few years. But based on the need for this low barrier emergency shelter to house, to house our most vulnerable neighbors, the township is poised to create an emergency shelter that operates 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 365 days a year, providing on-site access to case management, job training, and linkage to community resource and other partner agencies. While the location is yet to be determined, we acknowledge that an interim location may, ne may be needed to ensure that we have some uh, shelter opening by winter of 2022. If you direct us to move forward, a new intergovernmental agreement with the town board and city council would be considered by July of 2022. Staff will work with um, the township, building off lessons learned from the 2021 low barrier emergency shelters. We'll collaborate with the township on their plans, budget, policies and procedures, and a sustainable funding model that may include grants and additional partnerships going forward. The next uh, solution is a competitive $1.8 million for requests for proposals. Tonight we're seeking your direction to issue a comp one competitive request for proposals for housing solutions that address shelter and housing gaps in our community. Two recommendations that were highlighted in the report for tonight include prioritizing funding for providers that are able to demonstrate an increase in capacity and efficiency when serving those without an address. During the pandemic, the CSPH received information from the Housing Authority and homeless service providers that the length of time for a person to progress from applying for a COVID voucher, which was available during the pandemic, or an emergency housing voucher uh, to move into a unit was lengthy. It was a lengthy amount of time. According to the emergency housing voucher dashboard as of April 18th, 37 of the 113 uh, emergency housing voucher awards um, had been, that were issued in the summer of 2021 were actually utilized. The extended length is due to the inability to complete the voucher application, access or inability to provide necessary supporting documents, including state photo IDs, birth certificates, et cetera, arriving in appointments at the designated time and location, and then ultimately finding suitable housing. To, tr to truly streamline and ensure that services are available, through the local housing continuum that they can be accessed effectively, staff recommends including this as part of this RFP as either a standalone program or it could be built upon them expanding shelter options in the community. This funding could be allocated to an agency for the hiring of staff and program operation expenses. We're calling them housing navigators and they would help connect individuals and families without an address to affordable housing by eliminating barriers to permanent housing. They would be responsible for, the navigators would be responsible for supporting people through housing-focused case management, accessing housing assistance programs, and permanent housing placement. Typical duties of a housing navigator would include developing a housing plan, 
securing ident identification and income information, connecting renters to community resources, creating a budget and savings plan, coordinating service referrals and crisis intervention. A housing nav navigator could also provide transportation for housing related appointments and they would be based in our community. Many local nonprofit agencies provide housing related case management services for their program participants, but these services may not be available to the chron chronically homeless population if they're not participating in the agency's program. The second priority area of the request for proposals would can be made available to improve the quantity and the quality of shelter and housing options for persons that are currently experiencing homelessness. Agencies could demonstrate how their proposal will reduce the number of unhoused persons in the community, particularly those that are considered the most vulnerable through the CSPH coordinated entry system. Proposals will need to demonstrate how other funding or volunteer services will provide the supportive services of the population they're serving. Proposals will be required to include a detailed budget for the construction or acquisition of beds, units, and operation. Proposals may include requesting vacant city-owned lots that are available through our semi-annual lot disposition process. Acceptable proposals may include emergency shelter, transitional housing, or permanent supportive housing. So finally, on the, on the screen, you see our next steps. Um, based on council's direction this evening, we would prepare the IGA, the Intergovernmental Agreement for a low barrier year-round shelter with the City of Champaign Township. We would also uh, could amend the current rent assistance contract with the City of Champaign for the additional $200,000. Both of those we think could be brought back uh, to City Council in July of 2022. And then third on the screen is issuing the RFP, again for addressing gaps in our community, which could include the housing navigation case management services or the creation of new units. And then lastly, I want to, um, we'll also be working to continue to explore long-term funding models that would strengthen safe and affordable housing options and supportive services in our community. S staff will continue to collaborate closely with the CSPH agencies that we've mentioned previously, and we'll also work with other Champaign County units of local government to seek funding partnerships. This work will include the expo exploration of an affordable housing trust fund model to strengthen and expand upon city council's priority to expand safe, affordable housing options and supportive services for neighbors without an address. We hope that tonight's presentation provided the audience and with city council the framework on the current status of the unsheltered and people at risk of homelessness in our community and we're happy to answer any technical questions that council has. Thank you. Are there any technical questions? Excuse me. I had. I just had one. Well, actually, I have a couple. Um, with respect to the RFP, um, is it is it broad enough that it can include permanent housing solutions? Yes, uh, emergency, transitional, or permanent housing. Uh, the creation of those units that would okay. that would be one of the priority focus areas. Okay, um, and then. With respect to the rental assistance funds to township, um, in the past, the rental assistance included potentially mortgage assistance or utility as well. Are, we're calling it rental assistance, but it will still be that same broad umbrella of um, what was provided previously. Um, I, we can write it any which way. We have a current $50,000 contract that you just approved recently to get them through September. 
And that's really tied to their general rent assistance, which currently does not include utilities or mortgage. It's really focused on rent. So at this time, we would expand that contract with an additional 200,000, but based on your direction, we could extend that to utility and or mortgage. Oh, and I'll save my comment for later on that. Thank you. Um, so if you all would like to get up, we'll allow the public to come forward. And <coughs> So after they get up, if anyone wishes to address the council, please step forward, state your name and city of residence, and please limit your comments to five minutes or less. Alan Max Axelrod, city of Urbana. I work in Champaign. So I'm quite encouraged by the inclusion of permanent housing in the proposal because a housing first policy has been what communities like Rockford, Illinois have done to not just deal with ending veteran chronic homelessness, but chronic homelessness, the broader category. Every county that touches Champaign County has met the legal criteria for ending veteran chronic homelessness, yet we have not. My thoughts on this tonight are going to be rather succinct, but I'm going to leave you with one thought. How many folks who are chronically homeless by the legal definition, neighbors without addresses, are discriminated against from the existing Champaign City Ordinance that allows for landlords to reject tenants who would otherwise be able to pay. Thank you. Thank you. Please step forward, state your name and city of residence, and limit your comments to five minutes or less. Hi, my name is Jeanette LaElle. Um, right now I'm currently staying at the CU shelter out here in Champaign. Back to your guys' IGA funding though, did you guys know that they shut down the center for three hours before bed? And us women who have periods have to stay with tampons in all day. And even if we use a pad and we accidentally wet ourselves, we're treated as babies because we're left to feel like we're being discriminated because of our bodies, because we can't go into places and use bathrooms because we're not customers. Or have you guys noticed that during the day in the Phoenix Center, we have to violate the men's area in order to shower and feel uncomfortable as a woman? Not saying that any of the guys are weird, but the shower time at night isn't long enough. Then we have problems with transportations and getting to places where we need to fill out job applications and stuff. And there's the annual bus pass and stuff. That's not really much of a problem for us being homeless. It's mostly sitting outside. I'm not even sure if you guys are aware, but I hear you guys talking about all this funding and stuff. Are you guys aware that the people that brought us tonight for this meeting had to pay their own meter in order to park the van that's supplied for the shelter? And we're, we don't get hot food at night. Not everyone gets EBT. There's places for homeless women and their children to go stay. But if you're a single parent or if you got screwed over and there's mental health head games and you just have no idea what's going on, it's like a forceful paranoia on us homeless people just because the funding's not being used correctly. I'm not saying like all of it's being bad, but you guys are in charge of the motions, correct? You guys get to say where the funding goes and what happens with the funding. I'm just saying there could be a little bit more. We can't go into an establishment as a woman and ask for a tampon, it's 25 cents. 
that stuff is not free. You're messing not only with our PMS, but also our mental health. It's, it's, it's a mentee kind of thing that one week of the month, and it's hard. It's almost like women have to get pregnant in order to seek validation, and then we have the guys at the shelter hitting on us, not specifically see you at home. But it's hard to be a single woman out. It's hard to be a man. It's hard for us to feel like we're adults when we're, we already feel like we're little kids, and then we're sitting here dealing with other people's paranoia. I'm just saying that the money could go in for a longer route, more hours. It's three extra hours. I know that there's a limit between staff and people, but for us that do need to use the bathroom, for us women, it's, it's bad because where are we supposed to go? Circle K, you get kicked out of there. Hospitals, we're getting kicked out. We're getting sent to mental hospitals for the paranoia that's being pushed out on us on top of this stuff and the trauma that we've already suffered in life just to be discriminated again by politics, politically, and it's crazy. This isn't a once in a while kind of thing. This is an every day, every situation kind of thing. The housing funds, can we not drug test for those? A lot of people are moving out of their mama's house in order to get those fundings when there are people out on the street who will willingly give up the drug that they are using for a home to say, I don't know if, if anyone else agrees with me, but if I was on dope, I would. That's all I have to say for tonight. Thank you. Please step forward, state your name and city of residence. Um, good afternoon. Um, I'm Malcolm McGee, city, Champaign. And, um, I just want to thank everybody at the CU at Home Center and the Daily Bread. They feed us, clothe us. Those guys and women are phenomenal. And I feel like in the community, in the community, we could do a better job as reaching out. You know, we can probably open up some churches at like 12 at night to 6 in the morning to let people sit in there and think and get homework done or figure some things out. I feel like us being homeless is more about the people thing. You know, like, we are the homeless as well as y'all are not the homeless. So, like, y'all got to see things from our eyes and how we, we out there in the cold and in the rain. But if it was a way where we can be out and be warm or be able to be in an environment different where we can learn and see something different or we can go into places and apply for jobs where people, like, not looking at us as bums or stupid or outcasts or different things, we'll feel more happier. When we have to see you at Home Center or at the Daily Bread, we're happy because them people make us feel welcome and feel happy. So if we was able to go to the colleges and feel like, okay, I can go get a degree, I'm happy. I can get a degree, a bachelor's now. I can get a job, I'm happy, I'm here every day. So I feel like it's more about the community and how people treat, treat each other. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Please step forward, state your name and city of residence. Um, my name is Jonathan Parker, um, Champaign, Urbana. Um, I feel y'all should really push for this because with me, I have a long criminal background. And having no place to stay, I have never been homeless, so it's kind of scared me. And when you can't get into the CU or this stuff like that, the shelter closed, my next option is a bandit place, find a hallway. But then I'm scared as hell in there because the police can walk in. I'm going to prison for the rest of my life because I'm trying to find somewhere to lay my head. I'm trying to do right on the streets. I appreciate to see you home, you know what I'm saying? It helps out a lot, but for the guys that's really not ready, you know what I'm saying? It hurts me to see the old guys get pushed away because they don't have too much booze, you know what I'm saying? 
They just want to lay their head. Then they go out there and something happens to them. It's like nobody cares. They send a drunk. That's the that's shit. I'm inside my language. It pissed me off when I heard a staff say that. Well, they sitting went out and drunk. What you expect you to do? You kick an old man out at 7 o'clock in the morning, and he got to be out there till 8.30 at night. He's veterans, all that, man. They're my friends. I love them. But when things happen, it's like nobody cares about us at the end. I'm sleeping in a, a hallway, not knowing if a police come in here, I'm going to prison because I got to find somewhere to sleep. Instead of being out in the cold and the rain. No, it was hard. It's, it's hard. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't believe it is, but it's hard, man. To know if I go break in this house, it's a bandit. It's been a bandit for years, and but I go to jail if I get caught in here sleeping. It's just, I just want y'all to figure out a better way for us, man. That's all. Just help us help to get better, you know? Everybody just needs another chance. Sometimes we fall short. So just ask them to get us off the streets. Help us build back what we need to build up. More confidence. It hurts to see people just like, see us like, ugh. You know, some of us still have intensity and, and thing. I got a lot of respect for everybody, you know what I'm saying? But when people see us, it's like we are a spit on a piece of spit on the ground they don't want to step on. Or clean it up, you know what I'm saying? That's all I have to say. Thank y'all. Thank you. Please step forward, state your name and city of residence. You said name and what? City of residence. Uh, my name is Ryan Wilbur. Uh, I live in Champaign County, uh, just outside of Villa Grove. Uh, I'm rural. Uh, I'm, a, I'm originally from here. I moved to Danville. I had a bunch of issues there. Uh, I moved back here on probation. Uh, I didn't ever get to stay at the shelters because me and my wife was balanced and homeless. Uh, I got five violent arrests last year. Had I been able to get some assistance and, and been able to cart the wife with me, I probably would not end up in none of that trouble. My story starts, my kids got took by DCFS from their mother. I owned my own home at that time, no felonies, no nothing. So then two and a half years later, I get my kids back. I go crippled, I get on heroin, because you can't get pain pills because of Trump and the war on opiates. So I get on heroin, I run that for three years, and uh, I get to five violent arrests. And three and a half months clean. My wife's still messed up out there on the streets. But as I'm poisoning your house, your house, and your house, you gotta remember, karma comes back to bite you in the ass. Excuse my language. But I don't wanna poison the community no more. So I, I refuse to cook methamphetamines. At 12 years old, I was selling crack. We're fighting poverty, we're fighting um, addiction, and we're fighting mental health. And if you can't address all three of them issues, then, then really, you're, you're just peeing in the wind. Uh, me, personally, I got some mental health issues. Um, I refuse to go deal with them because a lot of it's from trauma that I had to suffer. As a father, as a single father, my kid's mother used to take my kid's dope house to dope house to dope house. At that time, I didn't do drugs. Like, I had got my act together. And uh, a lot of people know me out here on the streets. I got raided by your police department. It caused me and my son and my daughter to end up homeless. You couldn't go to a homeless shelter as a single man you could, because I had a son and a daughter. So you couldn't go to the women's shelter, you couldn't go to the men's shelter. 
So what that lead me back into? Manufacturing methamphetamines. I don't like it no more, especially since it's hit home. And this ain't the first relationship drugs has ruined for me. But at the same time, my kids is not living with me. They're in a safe place right now. But, but I want my kids home, you know? I want my wife home. My wife would beg me, beg me, beg me, please stop doing drugs. I can walk again. I forgot to tell you, I went crippled after I got my kids back. And that's how I ended up on the heroin. But anyways, it, there's several things we need to address, but we need to also address the outside communities like Rantoul, Danville, because I see a lot of these guys from the shelter and they're bouncing all over because I ain't got nowhere to go. I see a lot of people pulling their stuff down the road and it's the last little artifacts that they got left in their life, you know? And to me, that's sad. I, I'm not, I'm messed up, but I'm not that messed up. Like, I still care about humanity, you know? I, I care about my neighbors. You know, the biggest, the gangstrest thing you could do is take care of your family. And, and when I was a kid growing up, even the people out hustling drugs still looked out for the kids in the neighborhood. And, and until we can start looking out for our neighbors and, and watching out for ourselves and take a look in the mirror, Things ain't never gonna change. And that's all I got to say. Thank you. Anybody who hasn't spoken, please step forward, state your name and city of residence. If you haven't spoken, please step forward, state your name and city of residence. Uh, uh, my name is John Wanjoy Kurunju. Uh, state your name. And then uh, city of residence is run too. Uh, the only reason why I'm in Champagne is because there's no place for me to be homeless. In Rantoul, I was just backing up what the person said. Um, I watch my language. I go far minutes to speak. I'm grateful about the food that's provided. Uh, the address that was stated earlier, uh, daily bread. Uh, I'm happy about the instruction that goes on every day. Uh, I'm happy to know that people end up here sometimes that are homeless. No, for me, it's a viaduct. I'm grateful for the viaduct. Uh, also, um, Grateful for this moment, I was given to everybody to be able to speak publicly and let everybody know what's supposed to go on. And then also, I'm happy about the people showing their care directly and indirectly. And then also, I won't complain. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Please step forward, state your name and city of residence. Uh, hi, it's Craig Walker. Um, city of I got a lot of trauma behind homeless. So I really appreciate y'all. Let's hear the, um, thank you to the staff for putting this together. Um, Bailey um, and Andy for doing really good work in our community. And the fact that it was general fun money. <laughs> I'm here because I am traumatized by homelessness. My mother, after getting me through private high school, 40,000 a year in New York City, hard work, everything on the line. I went to college. My mom was homeless in New York for a year, New York City. That is definitely the toughest city in the world to be homeless. It's 20 million people. People step over you like you're nothing every day. And uh, so when I hear these stories, it just, 
brings back some of the trauma I had when my mom was calling me from college with, you know, I'm in the shell, I'm trying to find shelter. You know, the hopelessness in her voice. <laughs> Just say, hey, God, let me, I'll be there for you, though. And then as a child to decide, do I stay in college, which she laid it all on the line for me to be able to do, or do I leave and go try to take care of this now? And so that's why I'm up here crying, because it all comes back. But I'm doing it because I want you to hear their voices. And I'm so thankful that this council and this staff is addressing an issue that's been around for a long time. And, you know, we're not going to, it's all about moving forward. And I just want to say that, you know, I'm definitely dedicated to this. Um, I've been working with some of the partners to create ideas that I think will help get children off the streets. You know, in 2015, we had 300 homeless families in Unit 4. So trust me, there's a lot of 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds who are part of that homelessness. They're now 19, 21. If you spent five years, six years on the street homeless, and now you're an adult on your own, and all you got is a gun, well, guess what? Nobody cared about them while they were homeless as kids. And so it's hard to say, hey, you should care about humanity to them when we gave them nothing in their time of need. And so it's great that we're doing this. But I say to the city, it can't be the city alone. It can't be the county alone. It can't be the township alone. There is so much wealth in this community, acres of it, banks deep of it, land full of it. And if we just take a, if, if the good people of Champaign, if you really love this city, if you want to end gun violence, you got to come now and put some money on the table. It's not enough to sit at the country club and complain. Oh, I'm hearing shots out my windows. I've never heard that. Guess what? They're going to get closer. Oh, I'm not going to go downtown anymore because I don't want to see or encounter this situation. Guess what? It's going to come to your neighborhood. And, you know, we got churches full every Sunday, full of wealthy people. It doesn't take much. Five million from the city. There's five million more sitting in homes and communities of this city that could be given to this effort and they wouldn't miss nothing. Not a meal, nothing. So I want to say, the young brother wanted to say thank you. So I'm, he, I told him he couldn't come twice, so he wanted to say thank you. They're being seen. They appreciate it. We're going to take action. But the whole city must come to the table to make this work effectively. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to speak? Please step forward. State your name and city of residence. My name is Jasmine Hernandez. I am a Champaign resident. Um, I also work for Cunningham Township. 
And along with some coworkers this evening, we held a focus group at CU at Home. We met with, um, there was 27 folks present for that focus group. Um, and the main goal of the focus group was just to hear from our neighbors really what the needs and what the gaps are that they're experiencing. So I really wanna recap um, those notes for you so you, those things can be taken into consideration as we are looking at this proposal on the table. Um, so the most common themes that were coming up were that there is a need for more space so shelter staff doesn't have to turn away folks, especially on those cold nights or those really hot nights um, that more space is needed. They need um, more individualized case management to help them navigate housing barriers, to help them navigate mental health resources, and to help them um, with substance use disorders and addressing those. So those are the three identified that came up most commonly through our discussion was that that was the support they were needing. Um, they recognize that there's resources in the community, but they're not always hearing about them or there's always a barrier to getting there. And that kind of links into my next point where another big point that stood out was the lack of transportation resources, the lack of bus passes that these folks had. Out of these 27 folks that were present, I will say two thirds of them did have bus passes, but other folks that are disabled were not aware that dash passes are available to them. Um, they also suggested shuttle routes for grocery store trips, for laundry trips, um, any trips like that that can be used as a shuttle with a larger group of people to go run errands. Um, more hygiene needs and services to be addressed. Longer showers, on-site laundry or laundry available at more times. Um, feminine hygiene products that aren't charged for and that are available openly for females. Um, they would like a shelter that is open 24 seven, 365. Um, they identify that there's not always safe places for them to go. Places that identify that, you know, that they identify that are safe to go when it's super cold or super hot rely on business hours. So places like the library or malls, they're really dependent on those business hours running for them to be there. Um, the other thing that came up was, you know, folks are really, really dedicated to making their situation better. They are not just sitting in a place, just you know, asking for a handout. They are really trying to get better. They're trying to do everything they can. They're juggling you know, so many things from having a lack of vital documents to just get a job to then, I don't have money to get you know, clothes for that job or transportation for that job. Um, that needs to be addressed more. They even suggested that they would be open to um, more CWP programs, so more community work programs that are integrated into the shelter, more um, even just like playing a role in like the maintenance facility of, of the shelter, of you know, keeping the grounds clean. Um, they really were, one of the main suggestions was also a community kitchen where they can cook their own meals. And that kind of ties into the transportation with shuttles, trying to go and getting to the grocery store, getting sustainable foods, getting healthier foods, coming back to a kitchen to cook your own meals. You're not dependent on SNAP and now you're not dependent on junk food only. Um, and even just as a collective, maybe even cooking for themselves and sharing those meals together. Um, and I think that that shows just how resilient our neighbors are, how dedicated our, our neighbors are, and still how giving and thoughtful they are of each other, which you know, I don't think that that's, that's highlighted enough that these folks, they're still human, they still care about each other, they care about this community and bettering it, not just for themselves, but for everybody. 
um, they really would like the shelter to be a much shorter amount of stay for them, which is why they like they would like more individualized case management. So it's a shorter time period in the shelter, as well as transitional case management, which will then reduce the amount of times that they return to a shelter. Um, I believe that is, oh, they would also like, um, they also suggested more personal and secure space for belongings and food. Um, as it was addressed earlier, you know, these folks are lugging around the little bit that they have left. They're, you know, they're protective of that with all their rights. It makes it really difficult to move around when that's all you have left and there's a, a risk and a fear of, of it being stolen or taken away. Um, so that, that wraps up and I hope I didn't forget anything, but I wanna thank the neighbors that were speaking here and at the group very much so. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to speak? My name is Martin Miller, Champaign is my residence. I really want to thank this council for bringing this up front and dealing with a problem that I've been seeing. I've been seeing for years, but I've been really seeing in about the last year. I'm the community outreach for the homeless. I advocate for the homeless on any and everything. Um, I just got a story about a, a homeless man I dealt with. When I met him, he stayed drunk. I mean, you can catch him at seven o'clock in the morning, he's drunk. You catch him at 12 o'clock at night, he's drunk. Catch him Monday through Sunday, he's drunk. Um, I worked with him for about three years. We was able to get him house. But he had, I put him in a hotel for like, about a month and a half, two months. He became sober. I'd, I'd come to his hotel room and he wasn't drunk anymore. And from that, I watched him. We got him in um, a system, not the system, but um, we got him in nights their place. I went to his apartment just last week. His apartment is cleaner than this whole place here. He makes his bed up. His kitchen is immaculate. Um, he's working a job. He lost his job because he was scared. He lost his first job because he was scared of computers and he had to get a um, food handler's license. He just wouldn't go to the library. But I told him, you know, that's the only job you can have. Go look for another. He got another job. And I just, this is unbelievable. He's asleep under the bar. Like he slept anywhere he could, but he got housing. Housing is stability. You know, if you give someone housing, you can change their life. And to hear Craig's story, I got a story too. I was homeless for one day. I had some friends to come in and help me off the street. But a lot of people ain't got friends and get the opportunity I, I had. And for the event we had today, and I'm hearing the people talk about a shelter, and a low barrier shelter, we definitely need it. I've been scouting one out since I just got the memo what the city of Champaign was doing. I got an ideal spot for you. I don't know if y'all will take it, but it's on the University in First Street, right, uh, I say, southeast of the police station. Nice big building. Got a couple other buildings right next to it, right down the street from the Daily Bread, right down the street from Mass Transit. Uh, part of security is right across the street. If you said low barriers, gonna need security. Can't get no closer than right across the street from the police station. <laughs> you know, be very safe for people. But 
I'm just saying, I could go on and on, but for y'all to put this on the table, I always say we need to have money for people. Y'all done did y'all job. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. <clears throat> I tested yesterday, so. <laughs> um, I'm the Cunningham Township Supervisor. My name is Daniel Shenoweth, and I live in Urbana. And I have a voice tremor, so hopefully you can hear me. So the last five years at Cunningham Township, we have developed a continuum of uh, services for the homeless. So when I came in, we just offered general assistance, but the phone was ringing off the hook. When I first came in, I asked Martel to join our team. I brought in some other members, and we'd answer the phone, and almost no one was calling for general assistance. They were all calling for housing. So that was really the wake-up call for us. Um, I had mommies with babies show up at my front doorstep with no place to go. And I literally, I could refer them to emergency family shelter, and I was glad that it was there. But there was no immediate place, and there was oftentimes a waiting process. So I currently serve as the chair of the Low Barrier Shelter, uh, which was piloted this summer with CU at Home as the provider. Um, and my co-chair is uh, Brayton uh, Belcher, who's with the uh, city of Urbana. And so we have, in many ways, learned a lot from that process, and I'm happy to share that information with you, with the city of Champaign Township. We work really closely across Wright Street. I always tell Andy, we hold hands across Wright Street to serve people in our community. So um, we had a very smooth shelter process. It was a solid pilot to build on. And really our shared goal, township, city, county, honestly, it's a dream come true that we see all of these government and public agencies come together to collaborate in this way. We're collaborating better than I've ever seen before and I really applaud those efforts. Our goal is 24 seven safe shelter for men, women, transgendered people regardless of sobriety or mental health status. We want to make homeless rare, brief, and one time, which is essentially one definition of eliminating homelessness. There's always an oops, but we want to try to make it rare, brief, and one time. We're thrilled by the proposal for a public option to provide stability and continuity for this population. We work very closely with the homeless residents. They are our friends and neighbors. We love and care for them. Um, and I wish you could have heard, I'm glad that there are some residents here tonight, but at our listening session right before this meeting, there was such uh, love and appreciation and mutual support in the room and such a desire to move forward and to succeed. Um, I would like to make just a couple of recommendations. I strongly believe that uh, the low barrier shelter needs to be heavily connected to healthcare there's really a health care issue with mental health and substance abuse. So really working together to bring Carl, OSF, Francis Nelson. I've spoken, I've served on the public health board. I've spoken with public health about how to um, bring them in closer and the mental health board. I think we should consider gender separation and LGBTQ needs um, and to make sure we have rape crisis and domestic violence linkages. What we can offer, and we're discussing internally, and I'll discuss with my board, but essentially what we can offer, if this is helpful, is we can offer street outreach to help direct people 
as we did this winter. We have street outreach staff who will continue to have that. We can offer our staff at Cunningham Township to serve on site to support housing navigation. We do that already at CU at Home. We can expand to include that. We have a digital inclusion campaign. We help everyone gets free cell phones. We are like free cell phone giveaway station. Uh, we can help people with laptops and tablets and, and uh, to access some of the uh, broadband benefits. We have a food delivery system and we support the homeless in that way. And I would like to discuss possibly us playing a greater role in meeting the needs of women and LGBTQ residents. So I will discuss with City of Champaign Township and our partners how we might be able to play a, a bigger role as we work on our own budget process. I do want to mention with the $1.8 million RFP, there are a couple of really direly unmet needs in our community I want to name. I'm also going to send you a fact sheet that I updated recently with recent data on the problems and solutions around housing and homelessness. Wanted to just, since people don't read their email anymore, please read my email. Um, so uh, the first category is disabled head of household. Those folks are in really dire need because if you're disabled, you can live in senior housing, but you can't, um, you're not accommodated if you have children. And I'll be done in like 10 seconds. The second is housing for women to be safe and to heal from trauma. The third is affordable housing for people on SSI. We've seen a 20% increase in seven years of folks in Champaign County on SSI. And when we did our housing uh, focus group, eight of the 20 people in the room raised their hands at when we asked who's on Social Security. We need to house those folks. We need affordable options at that three to $400 price range per month. The rest I will send an email. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you staff and Carrie and all of our partners. We really appreciate working with you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address council? Please step forward. I'm uh, Melissa Courtright, and I'm with CU at Home. So thank you, as everybody said, for the work that you're doing here. Uh, thank you for your support of the low barrier emergency winter shelter. Um, without the support of the city and our other community partners and Carrie and John, thank you for all the meetings that you attended to make that possible. Uh, we really learned a lot this winter. Um, it was, uh, and if you didn't know, I just had come on in November and we launched the low barrier uh, shelter in December. So just eyes absolutely wide open to this process. There was no time to uh, pretend like uh, the needs of the homeless community were not real and knocking um, at our door. So uh, for, for me, it just has been a huge learning curve, but it has been an exciting one because we have seen a lot of work and progress. I think as already uh, was mentioned, uh, the men's shelter in particular did uh, run at capacity for a lot of February and March. And I think as already was mentioned as well, it is very difficult to turn people away and to tell people you're full. Uh, because also during that time, our shelter at the 70 East Washington location was also at capacity. So see you at home for the men's shelter portion was pretty much just operating at full capacity uh, most of the winter. Uh, so one thing we definitely learned is that we don't need less people at the table, we absolutely need more. 
And um, as we said really early on through the process, we do need another emergency shelter. We do need another community partner in this endeavor. Uh, we're excited because we have a working relationship already with the township. So that's very exciting for us to hear that they've put themselves into this position and thrown their hats into this arena uh, with us. So uh, we want to be a place where we recognize that the low barrier needs are complex um, and they absolutely need addressed, but there are issues and concerns also for homeless individuals that are trying to maintain sobriety, that are trying to work toward uh, gaining their uh, footing with their mental health, and those needs sometimes are very different. Uh, that's something that we learned um, early on in the process and are continuing to learn. Um, our sobriety requirements are uh, changing. We're adapting some of those, so it won't be complete sobriety uh, that will be required because we do want to acknowledge that those individuals that are working toward those goals uh, may not always get it right the first time, and we acknowledge that, we understand that. Uh, so we're working toward increasing our ability to do case management with our clients. Uh, we've continued to grow our case management team so that we can have continuity of care and to work with those individuals who want to move from crisis to stability. That's really a place that we want to be for people. Uh, we've also uh, begun to work toward becoming a 24-hour shelter, which you've already heard that that's a need. The township's already addressed that also as a need, which is fantastic. It is very difficult to ask people to leave in the morning. You're sending them back out into trauma. You're asking them to survive on the streets, uh, which you know is immensely difficult. So any proposals and any funding absolutely should work toward that goal of a 24-hour shelter. Um, the other thing that we want to acknowledge, which the city helped us with during the winter emergency low barrier shelter, was the need for security. We found that to be a very, very great partnership to have a security team on site at the shelter. It significantly decreased our calls. Uh, to 911 and need for emergency services. So we thank you for being a partner in that and we ask for your continued support and partnership in that. We've already implemented some security measures at our 70 East Washington shelter and wanna to continue to do so, so that our shelter is safer than the streets. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Hi there, Liz Parashan. I'm a Champaign resident and I work at Cunningham Township Supervisor's Office. Um, I wanted to piggyback on a couple of things um, about the 24-7 shelter. So um, folks who are trying to work, it's really hard for them. If they want third shift jobs, they can't do it because they don't have anywhere to sleep. Um, if the laundry is only available for a certain amount of time, then they can't get their uniform washed. Um, they have to bring everything that they own with them wherever they go because there's no option for a secure place. And probably about a quarter of the folks um, in our session talked about having um, vital documents and other really important things stolen from them because they didn't have a secure place to lock them up. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is, is that um, unfortunately a budget item for a lot of the folks that we serve is plasma. 
donating plasma is one of the ways that they get money that they need to live. They can't use the shelter address. So if they don't have a home, if they don't have an address, they can't donate plasma. And that money is lost to them. If they're on parole, they also can't use the shelter. So, um, and I also wanna highlight what uh, Danielle said earlier. At least a third of the folks had social security. So they have income and they're still at the shelter. Um, and I think a lot of that can be handled with a 24-7 shelter and with really good case management and affordable housing. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Hi, I'm Victoria Costello. I live in Rantoul. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I actually had the wonderful opportunity to supervise the emergency low barrier winter shelter that we were able to put on this winter. Um, and I'll keep this short, but this is a need. This is a serious, serious need. Um, and this is scratching the surface, but it is the answer to a bigger problem, at least in this community, right? We cannot eradicate homelessness right here, right now, right? But we can do our part and everything that we can do and having everyone on board to help at least fix this problem locally. This is a crisis. Um, you know, being housing insecure and not having that basic need of safety and security met, um, psychologist Abraham Maslow actually identified as, you know, if you don't have that basic safety and security net, net, right, you cannot progress to become an actualized human being. You cannot reach your fullest potential because these all build. So if you don't have a home, you don't have food, you don't have insurance, your mental health is off, you just haywire, and then you're self-medicating and dealing with addiction, wait a minute, let's, let's put housing first. Let's get these people the safety and security that they need so they can thrive to be the best that they can be. I appreciate you guys allowing us to table this, to bring this to you, and I really, really hope that we can take the step needed to have this low barrier option, because a low barrier option is crucial, and it is very, very different from your you know, shelter with sobriety requirements. And there is a lot that goes into a low barrier shelter to make it successful. I think we've identified all of those needs and then some, especially with the experiences we've had you know, piloting this past winter. Um, and I just encourage you to really look at this and just think to yourself, you know, we are all one night, one bad night away from being homeless, one bad night. This is not a stereotypical, you know, this is how someone becomes homeless. No, we're all one job loss, natural disaster, breakup, you name it, away from being homeless. And if I, you know, you wanna be, you wanna have that safety there. You need security and this is a need. So thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wish to address? Thank you. Hi, good evening. My name is Lily Walton. I'm a resident of Champaign County and I am uh, the executive director for the Housing Authority. Um, I just wanted to say first, I am so grateful that the city council has decided to invest funding in affordable housing. Um, I'm so grateful that there is money going towards shelters um, and our friends without addresses. 
Um, and I want to let the council know um, how wonderful it's been to work with uh, neighborhood services, um, how hard they work, um, and that we're grateful to be a partner and that the Housing Authority will continue to be a partner. Um, and I'd also like to charge the council and the staff to consider what happens after we get people stably housed and what that process is to get them stably housed. Um, also considering source of income protections, how landlord discrimination impacts our ability to get people stably housed. Um, so even connecting people from the shelter to the voucher to how housing or whatever that path may be, um, whether they have uh, social security or a voucher or child support or whatever their source of income may be. But I ask that the council consider um, some form of um, monitoring or tracking landlord discrimination. Um, as we know at, at the housing authority, it's a huge problem because we can put the vouchers out on the street, but we cannot make landlords accept them. And we're grateful for the House Bill 2775 that just recently passed, but it's still gonna be an uphill battle to get landlords to comply with it. So we just wanted to bring that to the council's attention and thank you and um, just um, ask you to continue to do the good work that you do. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address council? Seeing none, council comment. Council member Beck. Uh, thanks for the presentation tonight. This has been a work in progress from council comment from many uh, sessions that we've had together. Um, so it's nice to see some of the ideas that council set forward and our priorities that we had for things such as the low barrier shelter that we'd like to see have year round come to fruition in the plan that's been presented tonight. So. Um, it's, it's good to see that ideas that have been discussed for quite some time now have an opportunity to be fulfilled. Um, we, I, I'm, I have a, a few comments. Of course, I'm in support of the low barrier year-round shelter. Looking at the housing solutions uh, request for proposal, I do have a few comments about that. The, I'd like to see if we could make that at least around two million, if there's a way for us to look at our funding. I would like to see it as high as three million if possible if we could at least find another $200,000 to just make it two million, I would be happy with that. Um, of course, I'm never happy with the minimum, but I would like us to be able to spend much, much more money than this, but it, this is a start. Um, so as, in looking at the priority areas, um, I'd like to, instead of calling it housing solutions, I'd like to call it housing and homeless service innovations so that instead of concentrating on the housing navigation and then the creation of additional homeless beds or units, we can address some of the issues that were presented to us tonight. Um, and for example, including in the priority areas, we can include navigation in there. I'm fine with that. Uh, I think case management, intensive case management, smaller case management solutions are, are something that could be high priority for us and that would be effective. But also if we look, uh, had an area that looked at eliminating housing barriers, and um, that could be anything that uh, is uh, looking at providing um, providing uh, uh, feminine hygiene products or providing storage solutions for homeless individuals for their documentation that they might need to um, keep safe, or other solutions that are not as easily funded by these other opportunities that would give amounts of funding to local organizations to be able to do those things that need to be done for our, uh, our neighbors. Um, and then also, innovation, innovative solutions to housing access. So instead of thinking about housing in a maybe a, a more standard way that we're thinking about housing, there are ideas that are being 
presented in the community that would look at things like um, a, a guaranteed income, for example, that would be an opportunity for people who are homeless to have a guaranteed income so that they would be able to attend to things like mental health issues, addiction issues, and be housed at the same time and be able to address those without having to worry about income. So I think that there, that one of the pieces that I also want to highlight in uh, thinking about this is that I prefer myself the, why I think that chronic homelessness and um, the, the men and women and families living on the streets that are visual to us, that's, that's horrible and we want to rectify that. There are a lot of people that are hidden homeless in our community. Um, and so using a McKinney-Vento uh, definition of homelessness, a broader definition of homelessness is preferable to me. I also think that, you know, it, it, that's informed by my own, my own family, you know, and, and like others in this room that have um, been touched or uh, have had history of homelessness. You know, my father, was, uh, you know, he worked at, as a groom for horses. And this is an example of hidden homeless people. People who live at racetracks, who are grooms, who live in tack rooms. You know, this, is my, this was my father when he was from 16 on, living in tack room at a, at a racetrack grooming horses. And, um, you know, my parents, when they first married, lived at the racetrack. I was born just after living at the racetrack. So it was, it's, um, it, it, homelessness is something that is um, a much deeper issue than we have our ideas of what homelessness is and what and how the trauma of homelessness occurs. Um, but we have a lot of youth that are couch surfing, that are going from friend's house to friend's house and sleeping in cars sometimes or sleeping on the street sometimes, but not necessarily every night. Um, but they are homeless and they don't have a stable place to live. So that is why I really prefer the idea of using something like a McKinney-Vento definition of homelessness. So thank you so much for your time and effort on this. I do appreciate it. And I look forward to, um, to seeing the resulting RFP come out in the very near future. Anyone else? Councilman McCott? I support and appreciative of Council Member Beck's comments, um, the comments that have been made by the audience and also the work that's been done by staff as well as the city council. Um, I know a lot, I, I won't repeat what's already been said, but um, it remind, this reminds you that homelessness is bigger than what we imagined and most for most of us, we think of homelessness as a person with a, a sign that says they need a few dollars or whatnot, but it's so much bigger, and that's why this effort is is so much needed and it's important, uh, not just in the um, emergency space, but the long-term sustainability. Um, that's that's a big deal. Um, you're building. If we were building. Um, I don't know, chairs or, or house, houses or whatever. It's easy because it's a process, but when you're building people, 
that's where the complexity comes. And sometimes people look out and say, why isn't this resolved or whatever? Because people are complex. We are complex. Um, I think that uh, it was a call for us as a community to come together, and there's power in that. Um, and we need to do that. Um, and nobody should look down, because everybody, at one point or another, everybody has needed a helping hand. Um, there was a person in the audience that uh, talked to, to just drive that, 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 that piece home. She said something about um, people giving blood, donating plasma, right? Now think about that. The plasma that somebody without resources could be used to help somebody with resources. That's kind of, I, I, you hit, I was running Pat, I was on a morning run and I saw a, a group of people lined up getting ready to donate plasma and that thought process hit me and it hit me hard and that's where we don't have any room to look down or, or whatnot because as um, someone from the audience said, it's, it's, it's bigger than what we can imagine, but I know that we as a community, um, we can do some powerful things um, if we do come together. There's a lady, I won't mention her, I just saw, caught up with her. Uh, this lady has an Ivy League degree. She is one of probably the most intelligent people that I know. But I saw her, and I was like, dang, what happened to her? I didn't say that. I gave my bubbly, you know, hey, whatever the case may be. But her challenge was she couldn't find, with an Ivy League degree, she couldn't find the opportunity that matched her skill level and finally settled for um, working way beneath her potential. But that's the life and, and that's the style. And to uh, Council Member Beck's point, you just don't know. I mean, she works, but she's had an Ivy League degree. And for years, we used to walk and trying to find her opportunities, but she just, you know, and a lot of her issues just stem from a bad relationship. Had a domestic violence issue and it just, you know, it just spun out of control and, you know, here she is in Champaign working way below her skill level. And so, um, again, thank you to everyone. I don't think this is the end. Um, I think this, I hate saying this is a start, so I'll just say this is continuing the work that's being done and look forward to more being done. Councilmember Anigas. Um, <clears throat> so many thoughts that have been kind of racing through my head while this was being discussed, um, thank you all. Thank you for the presentation. Thank you for all the comments. Um, as mentioned, you know we all have been touched in some way by homelessness or substance abuse. So you know I don't want to, you know, continue that, you know, that theme. But you know I get to thinking about things like mental health. Mental health is one of the one of the bigger themes that you know continuously comes up, and it, it makes me sad that. You know, there are some people who think that their mental health issues should be looked upon as, 
you know, something of shame because every single person in here, I don't care who you are, has dealt with mental health issues. Like the, you know, it's already been said, you're only one bad moment away from losing a job, losing your home, losing relationship. You know, the reason that I am self-employed is because my my uh, mental health issues would uh, not allow me to be um, <laughs> employed by someone else. But that's you know different conversation. But that that was my journey to to figure that part out. Um, like I said we we all we all go through it. Um, and again, it makes me sad knowing that people are out there that don't have the support to, you know, to get through those hard times. I, you know, I tell people, like, when I've gone through my mental health uh, issues, you know, it's like a storm. It's like a darkness that just kind of falls upon you, and all you can do is just kind of wait it out um, and hope that the people that care about you are still there when you kind of come out of it. Um, so I can't imagine what it would be like to come out of that and still feel like there's nothing there for you. So, you know... I don't think that people should look at that as something to be ashamed of. It's just something that we all need help with. Um, again, just thoughts that are going through my head. As far as the uh, the amount of money being uh, allocated or you know considered here, uh, as everyone else here has uh, kind of mentioned, you know there there probably should be more, and I would love for it to be more than that. Um, as far as I'm concerned, this is our way of reinvesting. You know into our community in a way that, as uh, Councilman Kyle said, you know, we're investing in people and that's a harder thing to gauge, but there's, no, you know, human life is so precious, you can't really, whether you can measure it or not, you can't put a price on it. And, you know, this is something that I'm prepared to, you know, continue to advocate for along, not advocate for, but to support those who advocate for, because you all are doing the work, you all are in the trenches, you all are communicating with people um, that need the help. You know better than we do um, what's out there and what the needs are, and uh, I, I commend you all for that because they're they're not easy things to witness day after day when you see somebody trying or you see somebody struggling and suffering. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a difficult job, and I think that the more support that we can give, uh, the better better results we're gonna we're gonna get, obviously. And I think that it really needs to go beyond just the shelter, as some of the ideas have come up. You know, we have the technology to to communicate, to entertain, to educate. It's relatively cheap, you know, compared to what it was in the past. We can have people learning, we can have people, you know, there's no reason somebody that is homeless or, you know, without a home or dealing with substance abuse that can't watch a movie or read a book on a Kindle or something, the technology is there, why not give it to them? Um, I, I hear things of I see I hear the themes of happiness and community and fellowship and that is one of the things that I know is key to helping people come out of this. Um, the ideas about you know self sufficiency, things like having your own kitchen, having your own sense of ownership of something, that is a huge part of coming out of any struggle, whether it's homelessness, substance abuse, or anything like that. So um, I I like that you know we are all thinking outside of the box and we are looking to reinvest this money in a way that is actually meaningful rather than just say, let's put up four walls and a roof. Let's give somebody, some, let's give people something that makes them feel good so that they can take pride in because that's ultimately how people are gonna come out of things. And people are gonna mess up and people are going to you know, fall short, but that has nothing to do with whether they're homeless or not, that's just people. And I think we need to give people the grace to be able to do that. So. 100% full support. Um, I know that this council here is, I don't know if it's unique. I've not been on council before this, but I know that every single one of 
uh, the people up here share my sentiment in terms of putting, putting forth the most effort and allocating the most resources to those in need. Um, if, if, if there's a need, we'll, we'll try to find it and we'll work with it. I know that there's a lot of people that will help make it happen. Member Bruno. Um, this is a great thing, and as we're proud of our community that we're moving in this direction, of course I'll support it. I wanted to take a moment to particularly call out Martel Miller, who works 100 yards away from my office and accosts me all the time when I'm walking past his place of employment, and we usually end up in a long conversation and he has been advocating for this action for years. And he is, um, he's right, exactly correct on this. I'm glad to see that we're doing it. Councilmember Gladney. Thank you, thank you for the presentation and the work you've done on bringing this to us. And thank you uh, for everyone who's talked to us, not only tonight, but uh, in general about this issue and pressed, pressed us on it, uh, but particularly the folks who spoke tonight. Um, I know it wasn't easy, um, and sometimes laying your souls bare uh, publicly to drive home uh, the points that needed to be made. Um, and I think it, it's, it's good in that it's a reminder to everyone that this is uh, about human dignity, uh, that everyone, um, everyone deserves shelter, everyone deserves to have a chance to have you know, security, I mean, that's a word that is, is in this, uh, and that's, I think it's one of the most important words, is having that, uh, the stability uh, of a place to call home, whether it's a temporary home or, or more permanent. Um, and it can open up so many more doors. And whether someone is homeless due to mental health issues or addiction or financial reasons, or as in a lot of cases, all of the above. Um, I think we not only need to focus on the shelter aspect, but the, those reasons that um, bring a person to that point. Uh, a point that, as has been mentioned already tonight, any one of us could come to. Um, so I'm definitely uh, in favor uh, of this proposal tonight. Um, I also appreciate the points mentioned about looking into working with our community partners on on on, on, on bolstering sort of the, the health angle as well uh, making sure folks um, uh, have that opportunity open to them um, that people's dignity is taken into account um, and that they uh, you know people have people have spoken to us publicly tonight uh, about some of their, their personal experiences, and I think we should take those on board. We should listen to that and take those on board. Um, so thank you. Council Member Pianfetti. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, thank you uh, for the presentation this evening, and um, it is uh, nice to see everything come in front of us that we've been talking about for a long time, uh, but uh, surely the thanks is to the people that have come this evening, uh, Mr. Miller, for all the evenings that you've stood in front of us and, and talked about this. Um, the voices here tonight, the partners, um, there are so many here um, that do this work on a daily basis. Um, it, 
has not gone unseen, the work that you've done in this community, um, the people that shared their stories this evening. There's a lot of information, and I don't have to rehash it. Um, for me, um, I, I had some of the same uh, comments that Councilwoman Beck had. Um, I was trying to think about the $1.8 million and how I might set a budget for an RFP. And, uh, you know, I guess where I, I landed was, you know, if, if that was the money we had, you know, could somebody also say, but if there was any more, here's the additional funds that I would request, you know, and whether, you know, I'm, I'm okay supporting uh, two million, but, uh, you know, just to see what people would truly need, you know, whether it's two million, 2.5 million, just to see what we we really would need to do justice to um, something like that. Um, but if our threshold is 1.8, um, maybe like Mr. Walker said, if there are people in this community that felt compelled to also donate, um, then we have a threshold that would say we need another 600,000 and, and maybe there's money there. So. Um, that was where I was thinking, like, how, how do you um, ask for 1.8 when, you know, maybe, you know, 200,000 or uh, 500,000, that's where I landed, um, was what more you needed to, to do something. Um, I also um, uh, appreciated that um, we were looking at the different types of individuals that might need, it ho need housing. I also landed on the fact that there were a lot of homeless youth um, through our schools, and that was something that, I don't know if I, I missed it, but I, um, you know, it's something that is, is an awareness that I have and um, something that I wanna make sure that we are also considering within all these other areas that we, we address that as well, um, or at least understand that that's a population that may still have a gap um, if we are not addressing them um, as they as they um, progress on. Um, but I, I am I'm proud of this community. Um, I'm proud of uh, looking out in the audience tonight that we are all coming together um, and trying to think of this. Um, we may not have all the solutions that are going to work perfectly, but we are um, doing it in a way that we are coming together um, and thinking that we can we can do this and, and doing it in a way that we want to be a better version of ourselves. So um, thank you. Councilmember Fulmer. Thank you, Your Honor. Yeah, so I first want to start by saying thank you to the folks who spoke uh, tonight. Um, I understand how, how difficult it, it may have been, and um, while I cannot, certainly cannot um, pretend to have, have been in your shoes, um, I certainly appreciate uh, your willingness to speak to us, um, and I understand um, that, that these issues are um, tremendously impactful to living a, a, a a full life, and so I don't know necessarily where um, these things fit in, um, but I really appreciate um, Ms. Hernandez's comments uh, in, in hearing from folks, and I hope that we are able to, 
to continue that um, and, and receiving that that feedback. Um, so I, I absolutely would like to see us ensure that healthcare for menstruating folks is available. Um, just basic, I mean, I'm someone who suffers from headaches every day. So can people get ibuprofen? You know, just like very basic things that get you through life. Um, how, how can we continue to support those things and um, pr provide that kind of support? I really appreciate the storage solutions uh, comment and, and concern. Uh, it's something I think about often. Um, and and I, I really think that this is something that uh, seems like it, it seems like it should be easily addressable. Um, so I, I would really like to see something along those lines. Um, I also kind of finally want to point out that um, I have um, I have worked with students who are homeless, and so I want us to reach out to the university and see how they can also support our efforts, um, because I think it's it's very possible that we could also be supporting um, university students through through these efforts. So thank you all for for your work. Uh, this is tremendous. I'm very excited uh, that we're we're putting forth this this effort. So so thank you all for everything. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Anyone else? So um, thank you to our audience and the people who spoke um, and to our staff. Um, I also think it's worth highlighting that our township supervisor who couldn't be here um, is very passionate about this issue and raised it not only as a campaign issue but has worked on it at as he, you know, after being elected both times. And um, so partnering with the township makes sense because they're already working in this space and they are passionate about it. Um, I also, um, like the others who spoke, seeing some of the things that council has talked about come forth in a more of a concrete way is, is satisfying. So thank you for that. You know, um, I think each of us over time becomes passionate about different things. And I, I think it is worth, you know, calling out Council Member Beck, who from the beginning has, this has been an issue that she has raised and tried to get council and staff to find solutions for. Um, and so I want to thank her for keeping it alive and well as something that we are working on and you know helping to focus um, council on trying to work on these issues um, I am I also want to say that kind of the list of I think I had 12 items um, that was raised by Cunningham Township from from the event that they had, I think that probably goes into kind of how the shelter is run. That's maybe we're at the, you know, the up here level and the people who are gonna actually do it are probably here. Um, but I, I think all of those ideas are important, right? So we're looking at funding and support and they've got to figure out all the management of all the items. But it would be nice to incorporate as many as we can into that and if that is some additional funding from the 
from the city to make that happen. I think like the others who have spoken, um, you know, certainly making the leap from 1.8 to 2 million seems reasonable, but also if there are proposals that have sort of add-ons for additional services, that's something I would like to see brought forward. I think with the RFP, for me, the most important thing is that we don't make it so narrow that we can't receive innovative solutions. Um, and I would also welcome ideas that might need, maybe part of what we do is fund a study or provide resources to, to look at, will the idea work? Um, because I, I, you know, we could do this in a very traditional way, or we can take this money and use the opportunity to really launch something unique um, and something that might really make it a bigger difference. And I, I want to, I want to allow for all of those ideas to come forward. Um, with respect to the money to the township for rent assistance, for me, I would like to see that pot be like it was for COVID. I don't know how much of it we actually use for mortgage assistance or utility, but for me, it's really about housing, right? And so if somebody is, you know, a mortgage payment away from losing housing um, and, and, you know, we can step in or the township can step in and that, that preserves their housing for them, that's not really not that different than, than rent, right? I mean, the idea is to keep people in their housing. So I would like to see us do that expansion. Um, I loved, and we haven't really talked about this, but the idea that because we're gonna have community ambassadors, that we don't have to rely on the homeless count from the you know, coldest night of the year in the middle of January when we hardly find anybody out so our numbers look lower. And maybe Alicia mentioned that a bit when she talked about how we get to those numbers. But um, thank you for thinking of that and, to, and incorporating that idea so that we can be honest and realistic, about, honest about who needs help and realistic about what we might need to provide to fix, fix that issue, right? Um, and then finally, I guess I wanted to specifically thank, um, you know, Cunningham Township is here, but um, Supervisor Chenoweth said, and I agree with her, we are in a very unique time um, in county and city and university relationships where we, we really do feel like we're all pulling together for a better community. And there is much less of the turf war stuff and it's much more of let's, let's figure out how to do this together because we all live together in the same community. We care for the same people. Um, people you know, go back and forth across Wright Street every day with issues that either land in Cunningham Township or Champaign Township depending on where they may have stayed the night before. Um, and so working together is really important and it's really nice to see. So thank you for staff for doing that and for all of the 
Cunningham staff that are here today to, as well. Um, so with that, alternative one is to provide direction to staff to finalize a new intergovernmental agreement with the city of Champaign Township for the creation of a year-round low barrier emergency shelter and to amend the existing intergovernmental agreement for additional rent assistance to prevent homelessness and to create a competitive RFP for housing agencies to address housing gaps in the community. Councilmember Falmer. Yes. 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 <laughs> and yes, you have direction. Thank you. So we're going to let our staff get up, and then we are at the time of our meeting for audience participation. Please step forward, state your name, and city of residence. Please limit your comments to five minutes or less. LMX Axelrod, City of Urbana. I work in Champaign. I would like to use this as I speak to you. So if you could turn that on, please. We need the Elmo, please. Thank you. There is something called the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness. They list on their website how you can end chronic homelessness. One of the first things they do is they talk about deploying housing first system wide. Now you are doing some of these steps, but it gives me pause when people talk about the need for innovation. There is literally a government entity whose sole purpose is to aggregate resources for you all to do this. Now let's scroll through this real quick. They have some bullet points here, core components. These were things that were mentioned by speakers, and I'm happy that they were mentioned, but let's talk about it in context. Street outreach providers, emergency shelters, and other parts of the crisis system are working together. That's fine. Data has community data-driven coordinated assessment system that was alluded to in a combination by Beck, Fulmer, and Finan. Thank you for doing that. The community has a unified, streamlined process for applying for rapid rehousing. That's been work that's been done by Chenoweth and the Regional Planning Commission. That's fine. Community leaders collaboratively ensure a range of affordable and supportive housing models available to meet local needs. Policies and regulators related to supportive housing, social service benefit, and entitlement programs and other essential services do not create needless barriers to housing. You can see that you're on the right path. But the point of this is their entire website has solutions outlined for veteran chronic homelessness, chronic homelessness in general, family chronic homelessness, and other categories I haven't mentioned. Rockford, Illinois has ended veteran chronic homelessness and homelessness for everybody else. I've asked the city of Champaign township supervisor to ask Rockford to come down to you all and present. I do not want to hear the word innovation unless if it is about creating a better data system. You have steps already outlined for you on how to solve this. Now, regarding utility shutoffs, which I had talked to you about last week, the most important thing that you can do regarding that issue, regarding the $80 million of the Utility Disconnection Avoidance Program 2, because the one-time program 
that was created in relation to no AMR shutoffs demands last year was again created due to a series of resolutions, direct actions, and FOIA is to expand the eligibility criteria of UDAP2 to match the eligibility criteria of UDAP. Last year, when UDAP was enacted, at first for $80 million, then $115 million after continued pressure, it applied to anybody who had received a utility subsidy in the three prior years. That had a depressive effect on the COVID caseloads. UDAP2 is not having a depressive effect on COVID caseloads. It's keeping existing protections in place, which is good. It's $80 million, just like the initial one was introduced as $80 million before it was expanded. The same eligibility criteria as last year is merited if we're going to try and drive through protections that do not cost the state extra money. It is literally just staff time. Same amount of money, different eligibility criteria. Have the same eligibility criteria upward delegated to the governor, to the Illinois Commerce Commission, so that they can get that money to the households that need it, because one could argue that less people are behind this year than the year prior on unemployment numbers show that. So again, UDAP had eligibility criteria automatically dispersing money to anybody who had received a utility subsidy in the three prior years. UDAP 2, which is under, which is right now, only applies to the folks who were protected during the winter moratorium. We do not know if folks have been shut off already. If they have, that is contributing to COVID. If they haven't, it means things can get worse. Advocate. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address the council? Uh, hi, yeah. um, Craig Walker, Champagne. Uh, I wanted to say I saw in the news this week, uh, or last week, the police chief was selected. And I just wanted to appreciate the process. Um, I know me and Martel and a couple others got to come to the open house. We really got a chance to ask great questions of all three candidates. And I remember we came away, we said, well, there's two that we really feel we could work with. And one of them was selected. So we were like, wow, that's, that's just like, that's the way government's supposed to work, right? I mean, we didn't tell you the two. We just said, you know, we knew there was two, and we felt, you know, and this is about, you know, we're, our, we, our society loves to complain now. If there's everything, this decade's ever going to be measured by anything. It's going to be the complain decade. Because, like, if there's a little thing wrong, we're ready to complain. But when the stuff is going right, everybody gets, you know, quiet. We had a great crowd here for the, for the housing, and, and, and that's the other thing I wanted to say is that when you look at the governmental units in the region, not just Champaign County, in the region, um, Champaign is in front of everybody in terms of deploying resources, uh, deploying resources into those with the least, uh, deploying resources into public safety, uh, in innovation in public safety. Um, these are things that I tell you, not a lot of cities are doing. And so all of you, city staff, I just want to commend you um, because that's what it takes. It takes that kind of leadership. And so I'm also asking the city of Champaign and the people in it, respond to this. Become part of it. You can meet the chief if you want. 
if you're concerned about public safety, come to the council meetings when he's here. He'll sit there and talk to you. I know it. He's got a, he had 100 miles an hour energy. He is not going to be afraid to talk to anybody. And he will, he will talk to you and give you very good, interesting information. So this is a great period, as I think the mayor said, a great opportunity for this city. And we can, we've always been different, um, even in the face of tragedies that we've had in the past. We've always been different in how we respond to that. And I just want to really encourage the community that you have a government that's willing, to, that's working in partnership with the community and that it doesn't have to be about complaining, but it can be about have your voice heard. And if you saw, you saw our friends without addresses today, being heard just gave their heart hope. Being heard gave them dignity. And so I think that's what we as a community have to do is hear each other Express your opinion. We're not always going to agree. And then we have to have trust that you guys will come up with a solution. And so I just wanted to come down and thank you, uh, specifically City Manager, for a great process on the selection of the chief. And uh, I'm really excited about him coming into the community and, and some of the ideas he had. And I'm sure there'll be things we have to hold him, you know, talk to him about. And the good thing is, he's ready to talk. Uh, and then so I also wanted to say thank you to the township. Um, I have a client that I've been working with for a while. I was over here and she had needed rental assistance, took her down to the township and got her stuff in and Bailey and the team there turned it around really quick and got her her rental assistance. You can't take that for granted. You can't take efficiency in government for granted. Because a lot of places it doesn't work that way. And so if it doesn't work, you got 100 people down here complaining that it doesn't. But when it does work, you only got a few people saying, great job. So that's why I wanted to come down here and say, great job to the township team. And you know, let's become a community of not complaining and more supporting and doing. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Tim Miller, Champagne. You know me and Craig like a tag team. <laughs> but I really want to thank y'all and the vote y'all had today for the homeless. Um, for them to come up here to not, I know it's hard for me to speak when I first used to come, for them to come and then put their self out, you know, but they got their dignity. And that's the first thing when I first started working in the township and came in the caseworker. So we're gonna give people dignity first. We ain't gonna hand out no numbers. We're gonna learn your name. You know, and from us learning the name, I'm I'm well known through the community as the homeless person that uh, homeless person that will help you. My phone rings twenty four hours a day. I got a call like people who rise at the bus station. Here, get off the bus, got nowhere to go, we got no shelter. I'm so glad we got something that we can help people with. But y'all know I got something else I'm gonna say. I was sitting there thinking about all the bodies of governments, all the budgets y'all, the money y'all got for budgets, and for the, the poorest of the poor, I think everybody ought to give up at least 1% or three quarters of a percent of part of the entire budget I'm talking about from 
the city of Champaign, to the University of Illinois, to the city of Urbana. You know, we can eliminate call hospital. You know, we can eliminate a lot of problems if these people would come together and deal with the poor. Poor create violence, you know, because there's not no opportunities. When you ain't got no opportunities and you come through a hard life, you come up with no love. I, I, I done met some individuals at 15 years old think their life is over because how their life has been. They ain't even lived yet. You know, that's not their fault. That is the community fault. You can blame the parents, but if the parents ain't no good, the neighbor can be some good. The school could be some good. Somebody can be, but these kids have been left out. And from us doing this little part, thinking out the box, we can do a whole lot. And I love this council. You know, I ain't never said that, but this council did knock me off my feet. I'm telling you, Friday, I read the proposal Champagne uh, had. I had to go sit down. I, I couldn't even think. I said, now, I'm coming here Tuesday ready to see what they're going to do. And because I've been talking about it in your council meeting. I said, they canceled the meeting about the homeless. Oh, they don't want to look into that. I see they got it wrote down, but a lot of people write things down. don't mean they're going to do it. But when I read that, and I knew that all y'all got y'all heads together and gave it to the uh, neighborhood services and gave them a go ahead to put something down. And so me and Carrie talked a lot. I talked about Carrie. I, I want to have a community summit. I still want to have it because the community can fix this community. We, we could say presidents for the whole United States because this is a damn good community. And we got all the resources we need. And we ain't got to go outside to get nothing. It's here. Thank you again. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Hi, I'm Jeanette again, um, Champagne. With him talking about the algorithm and like the parking meter and different things, um, is there any way that we could fix the algorithm? I know you guys sit up here and you guys just talk algorithm all day, but with the spending and different things, that was kind of, that blew me away with the way that the shelter operates and paying the parking meter as if we were forced to be here. You guys provided dinner for us whenever we were at the shelter that not everyone received because there wasn't enough. Not saying that it's your guys' fault, but the algorithm can, I guess, is a concern, especially given the fact that it's not just Champaign or Urbana or Rantoul. It's literally the entire United States of America. We're at an algorithm because there's no more common sense, even to the point where we lost change. Um, with that being said, um, with the dignity part, it's embarrassing and humiliating for anyone who suffers from anything. Um, mental health is brought up a lot. Everyone does suffer from mental health, but a lot of it is just PTSD and just adjusting to the situation. How do you adjust when you don't fit in, not because of what you are or who you are, but because of the rules? What do you do when it's raining and you're outside? Or where do you go? Because the Urbana Library, they don't like people there. Very often you have to be quiet. That's just a general statement. There's just certain rules that you have to follow and be very prim and tact and very, I guess, 
algorithm. You have to have algorithm in order to survive out in the streets. It's the same thing you do behind the desk, which is where the manipulation, everything ties in. Are we manipulating people through the funding or are we just allowing the funding to be spent anywhere it needs to be spent kind of deal? And I hear about the 24 hours shelters that could be here in January, but is there anything we could do for the three hours? I mean, it's basically just them telling us, hey, you know, you still have to be out on your own, but you're gonna have to support yourself for these three hours, even though we opened up and you have to come back in three hours to sleep anyway. Can we not get like volunteers or something? Can we not increase hours for three more hours? At the very least, just so that we're not out in the cold. And that is where our bathrooms are, sadly. It's embarrassing for me to even be up here as a woman talking about this because I'm used to being disrespected my entire life, as well as every other woman in the United States or all around the world, just for simple reasons. And it's not heard of very much, or is it? It's taken for granted, and no one's salty about it. But I mean, to me, it's crazy. A few of the people earlier were mentioning church services. The elderly would like to go to church. They can't go because there's no transportation. And that sucks. And it's right around the corner. Um, a lot of it is just bewildering wild if you see the way we live. We live as dogs and pigs and not even really like dogs and pigs, but we get treated just like pigs. And we're expected to be okay with it from everyone in the community just by following simple rules and guidelines that are set out for us. So if there's any way to like fix that, we're just for those three minor hours, because the place opens at 1230, the Phoenix Center, the soup kitchen's open for two hours, but for three hours we have to hold in our urine and feces in order to use the bathroom and wait till we come back to lay our head. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address the council? Seeing none, council comment, anybody? City manager. All right. Your honor, I move we adjourn. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, same sign. Motion carries, we are adjourned.